Good morning, my brothers and sisters. And I want to say good morning to those of you watching us from home and online. This is Romford Baptist Church, and I want to welcome you all. My name is Jide Fami, one of the ministers here. I will be leading the first part of the service, and later on I will be handing over to Pastor Ricky Bones, who will be taking the second part of the service and also bringing the word of God. Today is our harvest Sunday, and we have linked it with the BMS theme, which says, I stand with Christians in hard places. So this morning, as we celebrate harvest, we also want to remember Christians across the world facing persecutions because of their faith in Christ. I will be bringing the call to worship from Psalm 107. Psalm 107 verses 37 to 38, which says, they sowed fields and planted vineyards that yielded a fruitful harvest. He blessed them, and their numbers greatly increased, and he did not let their odds diminish. So in the spirit of harvest, please let us stand up, if you are able to do so, to sing our first hymn. We plow the fields and scatter.
pray. Our Lord and our God, we want to thank you because of the love you have for us. Thank you for the time of sowing and for the time of harvesting. Thank you because the scripture says, if the Lord does not build a house, the workers walketh in vain. Thank you, thank you for empowering us, for the strength. Thank you because you giveth us power to make wealth. Thank you for your love. And everlasting Father, we have come this morning as one. And we ask that this worship will be unto you. Because your word says we are two or three people are gathered in your name. There you will be. Therefore, we say, Father, be the center of the service. Irrespective of our challenges, Father, we come to you and we lay these challenges at your feet. We ask for your strength. We ask that you make us to continue to love you. And Lord Almighty, we also want to thank you for all Christians all over the world. Those who are faithfully serving you, despite the many persecutions they face. Thank you for strengthening them. And Lord, we stand this morning with them. We remember them as we pray for them and support them. And therefore, Lord God, we just want to thank you. Because from the highest of eyes to the depths of the sea, creation's revealing your majesty. As I mentioned earlier, today is our Harvest Sunday. But we also want to stand with courageous Christians in hard places, living the gospel no matter the cost. They are all over the world, in the Middle East, in Africa, in Asia, fearless Christians stepping out day by day in faith and living the gospel in hard places, in difficult situations, no matter the cost. How do we support them? And as we are seated, I just want us to bow our heads and just pray for these Christians. It's going to be individual. I just want us to pray for these Christians. They are all over the world. And you have, if you are able to shout out your prayer, please do so.
You are the God of this city. You are the king of this people. You are the Lord of all the nations. You are the light in this darkness. You are the hope to the hopeless. You are the peace to the restless. Let's turn to sing the next song if you are able to do so. Harvest. Harvest, that always important part of our church calendar. And so often we would associate it with gifts of food and of produce and of fruit and of all those other things that we would see visually displayed at the front of the church. But as Judy has said, today we're joining with BMS World Mission, our partner um, organization, and their theme of I Will Stand. Because we're recognizing today the harvest that needs to be done to see people come to Christ. Recognizing there are so many people still in our world who have yet to hear about God. And so, as Judy said, BMS have invited us to join with our brothers and sisters around the world who are facing rejection, hatred, and persecution because of their faith. And yet still they go and want to share the message of the gospel with those around, to gather in the harvest for God. They are often walking through the darkest valleys, living out their faith and sharing with others, but the price for them, as we will be hearing in the service, is high. But by standing with them today and with churches across our country um, through this month of uh, October and November as churches celebrate harvest, we're sharing stories and recognizing the harvest that is still to be done. Not just overseas, but obviously here in our own town and city and country too. So I thought we could use the quiz that BMS have produced for us to find out how many people in the world know about Jesus. And so if it can turn up on the screen, that's the theme we're having. I will stand in the first question, if you would please. How many people do we think around the world today follow Jesus? Now, I thought I'd make this a little easy for you. I'd give you some options. So can we click through the first lot of options? Firstly, do we think there's more than 2 billion, more than 3 billion, or more than 5 billion people who today follow Jesus? So hands up for 2 billion. Hands up for 3 billion. Hands up for more than 5 billion. Okay, more than 5 billion have it. Can we have the answer, please? How surprised are you that actually it's not more than 5 billion, it's only more than 2 billion in our world today who follow Jesus? Can we have the next question, please? There are places around the world where fewer than 1% of people know Jesus. So out of Thailand, Afghanistan, Tunisia or Kosovo, where is that not the case? So 
Let me read the question again. There are, few, there are places around the world where fewer than 1% of people know Jesus, which is the only country listed below where this isn't the case. Is it Thailand, Afghanistan, Tunisia, or Kosovo? So hands up for Thailand. Oh, a few. Hands up for Afghanistan. A few more. Hands up for Tunisia. Going back down again. Hands up for Kosovo. Okay, the overwhelming response of the ones that are partaking, participating is Kosovo. And the answer is? Absolutely, Kosovo. Kosovo is one of those countries where there are more than 1% of people who know Jesus. That is an awful lot of other places where that is not the case. The third question. Which country has the highest number of different religions practiced in that country? Is it Brazil, South Korea, the UK, or the USA? So which country has the highest number of different religions practiced within it? Is it Brazil? How many hands? Oh, clearly no one thinks Brazil. Do we think it's South Korea? A couple of hands. Uh, do we think it's the UK? Okay, we think the UK seems quite popular at the moment. The USA? Oh, okay. UK and USA are kind of quite close. UK, I think, just in front. And the answer is? South Korea. There are more people, there are more religions practiced in South Korea than any other country. How little we know about our world. And the next question, please. Which place has the smallest number of different religions? Which place has the smallest number of different religions? Vatican City, Afghanistan, Fiji, or Iraq? So, the smallest number of different religions, Vatican City? Quite a large proportion of you think Vatican City. Uh, Afghanistan? Okay, a few of you for Afghanistan. Uh, Fiji? A few more, about the same actually as Afghanistan, thank you. And Iraq? Okay, a few of you for Iraq. And the answer is Vatican City. It's largely, predominantly, such a small area where the Catholic faith is uh, clearly um, part of uh, all that goes on within its walls. Thank you. I think, is there one more? Have I done it? Oh, uh, one more. In many countries, the number of Christians are expected to rise. But where, can you guess the region where the number of Christians is expected to fall? So in many parts of the world, numbers of Christians are expected to rise. But where do we think the number of Christians is expected to fall? North America, Europe, the Middle East and North Africa, or Sub-Saharan Africa? So, do we think it's going to fall in North America? few of you. Do you think it's going to fall in Europe? Quite a lot of you for Europe. Do we think it's going to fall in the Middle East and North Africa? A few of you. And do we think it's going to be in Sub-Saharan Africa? Again, a few of you. So largely, overall, you think it's going to fall in Europe. And the answer is, it is indeed in Europe. We're part, we will fall into that area where the number of Christians are expected to fall in the coming years. Is that the last question, Sam? Oh, no. We'll make this the last one because I'm conscious of time. BMS supporters continue 
Carey's legacy. Now, Carey was the William Carey who went out, and first of all, for BMS, was the first missionary who set up BMS. And so BMS supporters continue that legacy by sharing the love of Jesus all over the world. Does anybody know how many countries BMS works in today? Over 15, over 25, or over 30? So do we think BMS works in over 15 countries? Clearly not. Uh, over 25 countries? A few of you, over 30 countries. Okay, you think BMS has got people in lots of different countries, and the answer is? Of course, they are working with mission partners across our world in over 30 countries. I wonder which of those facts shocked you the most. As we look a little later in our service, we're going to look and realize just how Christians across our world, but also in this country, are seeking to spread the gospel message and hope for that harvest of lives to come in for God. But before we do that, we're going to um, have Haley come in and she's going to uh, remind us of some of the things that are going on in our church that help to share that gospel message. Thank you, Haley. Good morning, everybody. Um, please do join us um, this evening at six o'clock, either in online or in person. Every Sunday evening, we have different themes. We have gathering around communion and gathering around the world. And tonight, we are gathering around coffee. So please do join us. It'd be great to see you. We have got our Tuesday prayer meeting via Zoom at 8 p.m. And we've got a Wednesday lunchtime service here in person at 12.45 we do not have Wednesdays at RBC this week, so Wednesday evening, if you're part of that, we have a week off and we will continue to learn about climate change in the next couple of weeks. Next Sunday, we have got our baptismal service at 10.30 in the morning. Um, it'd be great to see you here so we can celebrate um, people getting baptised, which is brilliant. Most importantly as well, next Sunday, we do not have an evening service. It's the fifth Sunday of the month, so as I said, every Sunday evening we have different events fifth Sunday of the month, we're going to encourage you to actually spend time with people from church who you might not have seen over this last year and a half, even if it's on the telephone or via Zoom or in person. So we encourage you to do that next Wednesday, not next Sunday evening, just checking that you are listening, next Sunday. You could do it next Wednesday evening as well because we don't have Wednesdays at RBC. So you can do it twice. And then finally, we are, for our Christmas appeal, we are um, supporting Andy and Rihanna in Moldova. Um, lots of you would have um, seen them over the summer while they were here. So we are going to be collecting different resources that they will hand out. Um, there's things such as school stationery, um, there's like hats, gloves, scarves, blankets, all those kinds of things. Or if you want to contribute um, financially, you can donate some money and it could go towards food packets or it can go towards um, supplying a family with chickens, all kinds of things like that. If you want to find out more information, JJ, who is sitting here at the front, she will be out there after the morning service. Please do have a chat with her. She'll grab a leaflet and she'll give you some more information. It's a great way for us to support Andriana whilst they are in Moldova and we are here. Thank you. Thank you, Hayley. And uh, we say every week, and we mean it every week, thank you to each one of you who give 
and to give either through the offering boxes or through the um, cash uh, point out at the front or through the banks or however you give, we really appreciate it. I've talked this morning about BMS and one of the ways that your money that you give uh, goes to support them is through our giving that we then uh, give to BMS to support their work in over 30 countries. And so we want to say thank you and we want to say thank you to God and we're going to do that now as we pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that in our giving, we are giving not only to the work of this place here, but Lord, to the work of your kingdom across our world. Father God, we thank you for the way we can partner together. But Lord, most of all, we thank you for the hearts of those who do give, whether we are giving um, in an obvious way or violent, uh, silently through the transferring into the banks. Father God, in each and every way, big or small, we offer you our giving and we give thanks to the way that you bless us again and again and again. Amen. Amen. If you want to give, you have the opportunity to do that now. If you want to actually come and put it in one of the offering boxes, you can do that in our next song as we sing, Come Ye Thankful People Come. And uh, maybe during the song too, the children and young people want to head out uh, to their groups. It's Sunday school today. So during our next song, which is our harvest song, you have the opportunity to come and put a gift in to use the cashless point out in the entrance area or for the youngsters to head out to their groups. We stand if we're able. Please take your seats. And uh, Bree is going to come and share our word with us this morning, which is from Isaiah chapter 11. Thank you, Bree. It's from Mark, chapter 13. Thank you, Bree, for pointing that out. It's because in my head I was looking at another service. It's from Mark. Go. You'll be pleased now I've got the right passage to preach on. I was nearly going like this. <laughs> Good morning, church. Okay, so the reading is from Mark, chapter 13, verses 1 to 13. Destruction of the temple and the signs of the end of times. As Jesus was leaving the temple... One of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings? replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting at the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us when will these things happen, and what will be the sign that, that, that they are all about to, fulfill, to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my, many will come in my name claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of the birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local council and flogged in synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before the governors and kings in witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, 
to not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time. For it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Bree. A familiar passage. And perhaps when we see on our news reports of famine, of earthquakes, of war, we think back to passages like this. Whenever we see those things reported on our television screens or in our social media or in our newspapers or whatever form we hear of it, our response is often to pray. To pray for the victims and their families, to pray for all those who are involved in trying to save and rescue those who have been hurt. We pray for the aid agencies or the governments or we pray for the wider response from around the world. Just a few weeks ago, really, when we heard of the Taliban entering through and uh, the situation there in Afghanistan, when we hear about atrocities being carried out by uh, armies against one of their own family, their own country people, when we hear about attacks such as what happened to the MP recently, our response so often as Christians is to pray to pray for those who have been hurt, to pray for the families of those who have been killed, to pray for those who are seeking to flee, perhaps, to pray for those who have had to stay behind and who are scared, and we pray for their safety. We pray for wisdom for the future. We pray for God to intervene. In our own country, when the pandemic hit, in this, world, in this part of the world and across our world, our response was to pray. To pray for the NHS, to pray for the key workers, to pray for the delivery drivers and the scientists and the governments. And I think you get the message. That when we hear of situations happening across our world, our response is to pray. To pray for God's intervention, to pray for God to touch lives. And we do that because what we hear about is visual. It's on our screens, it's in our social media, it's in the news incessantly on and on, particularly if you're on the news channels. And yes, it's absolutely right that we pray for these situations. But today, we are standing at the request of BMS with those who aren't featured in our news. We're standing with those whose situation simply isn't newsworthy, and yet whose lives are at risk, whose safety is so perilous. Their situation is so often so different to our own understanding and our own reality that it's hard to pray for them and often we don't think about them. And we forget what our Christian brothers and sisters can and are experiencing around our world and how they are being persecuted for their faith. But we are being called to pray and to remember them. 
When Bree read that passage, I wonder if any of you noticed those couple of verses that she read. Verse 9, which said, you must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged. In verse 11, whenever you are arrested and brought to trial. In verse 12, brother will betray brother to death. A father, his child, children will rebel against their parent and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. I've emphasized those words because that is the reality for our Christian brothers and sisters across our world, but particularly in North Africa, in Asia, and in other parts of our world. When we read those verses, and perhaps if you do that, when you are doing your Bible sessions or you're working your way through the Bible, you, we, we can sometimes read them, can't we, and, and think, yes, but for people in our world today who are seeking to take the gospel message and to see a harvest for God, their reality is that the price is high and death isn't uncommon. So as I looked at this passage and as I looked at what BMS had sent out, I thought firstly of separation and isolation. Can I just commend many of you in this church? Because I tell you, you have blessed me in my ministry. Because when I came to this church, I was just blown away by the way that God has laid on a number of people's hearts and lives a need to pray for Christians who are persecuted. It's something that having been in churches across this country in different places, I've never come across a group of people who have been so faithful in praying for the persecuted. And that's why when we looked at this, it felt a really good way to continue something that this church already does, whether it's in the weekly Bible meetings or prayer meetings or on a Sunday or in small groups, in whatever way it is that people here pray. I want to say thank you. Thank you for caring. Thank you for praying. Thank you for your faithfulness. For all of us, need to capture that burden for praying for our brothers and sisters. I'm not talking about BMS and workers that they send out. I'm talking about the ordinary men and women who are living in North Africa and Asia and the Middle East, who God is speaking to. The ordinary person who, through a dream or a vision, is hearing from God. I'm talking about the ordinary person who's encountered God in, a, in an amazing way and has responded to that message. I'm talking about the ordinary person who has been given a Bible by somebody as they've gone through and they've read the Bible and they've responded. But as a result of that response, they have ended up particularly if they've turned away from the religion of their country or their upbringing, have ended up being isolated, being put to death, being persecuted. And yet, still they follow Christ. For some, they have been rejected by their mother and their father, 
their sibling, their husband, their wife. They've been rejected by their village, rejected by all those around them. Can you imagine what it's like? Many of us found Christmas particularly hard last year, didn't we? Because we weren't able to gather with our families. And they were gathering and we were gathering and we were gathering in all sorts of little places. But can you imagine what it would have been like to know that your whole family was gathering for a celebration and you weren't invited? Because you'd been rejected by your family because you'd come to faith. In some cases, you've been written out of the family history because you'd responded to God. In effect, as far as your family were concerned, you were no longer part of them. For us, it's hard to imagine, isn't it? But that's the reality. I want to help us, if you like, to imagine what that could feel like in, in a little way. Maybe I just invite you just to close your eyes just for a moment and think back a few months. Think back to the beginning of last year when the church had to close and you were no longer able to come to church. For some of you, you were able to join online, but not everybody could. Some are still watching online because they're not able already to come back to church. How did you feel? What are those emotions that come up in your heart and think about in your mind? What did it feel like when we were able to regather, but we weren't able to sing? Many of you didn't come to church during that period of time because you wanted to stay at home and sing your praises to God. But those of us who did gather and we weren't able to sing, what words can you think about that described how you felt? What about the fact we still don't hug many people that we used to hug as they perhaps come into church. What did it feel like when we couldn't hug our loved ones? What does it feel like when you come through those doors on a Sunday morning and you can't shake hands with the people that you meet? And the fact that you're sitting in church wearing a mask or you're sitting in church and the window near you is open because we have to keep them open for social distancing and for the restrictions to try and keep on top of this pandemic. I wonder what words have sprung to mind. Words such as lonely, vulnerable, isolated, struggling, unhappy, sure you've thought of other words too and as Christians here we are able to gather we are able to raise our voices even with a mask on we're able to engage one with another online even during the week there are opportunities to gather with one another online but for Christians that isn't their experience in some of these places we're looking at today they have no other Christian to encourage them. They have no one they can come alongside to share and learn about God's word. They aren't able to worship publicly. And if we were able to think back to that moment when we were at home and think about how we felt, for us it's only been a time-limited period. For some it is still continuing as you're watching online. But for these brothers and sisters in these parts of the world, that is 
their reality. And if we struggle to grow with all the resources that we have available to us, imagine how hard it must be for them. So no wonder that I firstly thought about those two words of separation and isolation. Our brothers and sisters around our world. And so we are called, secondly, to stand together. If we go back to the passage that Brie uh, read from Mark's Gospel, often we will associate it with the birth pangs of the end of time. That's in fact what it says. But of course, it doesn't just relate to the future. It relates to the here and now. And certainly, it related to the experience of the disciples. We know that after Jesus had gone back to heaven, within just a very short period of time, the Jerusalem and the temple was destroyed. We know that after just such a short period of time as the apostles began to spread the word of God, there was persecution, there were arrests, there were floggings. We know that the thousands of people who came to faith that we can read about in Acts of the Gospel themselves faced death and torture and ministry. And that has been a period that has come again and again and again since that moment when Jesus left the earth and the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost and the word of God spread from Jerusalem and Judea to the ends of the earth. There have been and always will be false teachers and natural disasters and wars and persecutions and deceivers who try to stop the rise and life of Christianity. We heard that in one of the questions, didn't we? That in some places... The, the way that uh, the Christians will, the Christ, numbers of Christians will fall rather than rise. And Europe is one of those places. But we also know that the Christian faith is still alive today. That's why we are here. That's why Christians across our world are celebrating and giving thanks to God today. But we do it so often in safety. We can come and worship our God today. We are able in other parts of our world to celebrate God and who it is that we believe in. To praise his name and sing our songs of praise to him. And we often do it, even with the windows open and wearing a mask, we do it from a place of comfort. We're not doing it separated or isolated and that's why we've been called to stand with them. Because John 4 reminds us there are so many more lives that need to be harvested in for God. It says in John 4, My food, says Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Another verse, the fields are ripe white unto harvest. There are so many people who, even in this town, in our families, don't yet know God. We have a work still to do, but we can do it with the support of one another. 
When Ian and I first moved to Mexra back in the uh, early 1990s, we moved to a town, as we've said before, which was classed as the most deprived town in the UK at the time. It was classed like that, largely as a result of the closing of the uh, local mines, the ending of all the industries that related to the mining work that took place, but also to the bitter fallout that had taken place as a result of the miners' strike back in 1984. For some of you, you will remember the pictures of that on our television screens. For some of you, it's too, uh, you're too young to remember, but it was a real dividing point for many, particularly up north, in the lives of towns and villages. And when we moved to Mexborough, the most deprived town as it was in the UK at that time, we were ministering among people whose brothers weren't talking to brothers. We were ministering to families who weren't talking to other families because of their stance in the miners' strike. We were talking to fathers who weren't talking to their children because they didn't agree with the stance that they had taken, whether they had worked or hadn't worked during the miners' strike. Neighbours weren't talking to neighbours because what had happened had driven such a wedge through that community. And it isn't until you live in a place like that you really understand the depth of emotion that went on and the hurt that had taken place. Now, I'm clearly not saying that the people in Mexpra were suffering from persecution as a result of their faith. But what I am saying is that as we began to minister to this group of people who became Christians, they were having to take a message of hope and of love and of joy back to their household and to their neighbours who didn't want to be hopeful and hear a message of love because they were too bitter, too angry, too scarred and hurt by all that had happened. The message of the gospel was hard for some to hear. And yet, God had his hand in that place. And they went and we did see barriers begin to break down. We did see neighbours begin to talk to one another and families begin to once again speak to the other because of God and the way that he had moved. And the people of God in Mexico continue to be faithful and continue to share that gospel message. And I cite Mexico because it was my experience of how families didn't talk to other family members because of something that had happened in their past. And over 30 years later, that work and that ministry continues in that place. And you are part of that story. Because as you gave all those years ago to this church, that money that was given to this church supported the work that took place in Mexborough. Because the work in Mexborough was funded by Home Mission. And you are part of that story. And you and me are part of that story today for those who face persecution across our world. Because we support BMS, but because together we can stand and remember.
and pray for those in our world. So thirdly, we are encouraged to stand firm. And in verse 13, it says, Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When I think about the story of Paul and how he was one of those who persecuted Christians, and we know that when he met with Christ on the road to Damascus, he had a life-changing moment because God spoke to him. We know that the consequence of that, as we read the Acts of the Apostles, is that so many more lives were transformed. God spoke and used Paul to speak to so many more. And the Christian gospel began to be spread. But we know that there was a cost for Paul. We know he was flogged and imprisoned and shipwrecked and stoned, and so the list goes on. I want us now just to listen for a moment to a video of someone who today is experiencing something very similar. Thank you. I made a promise that I would not let any Christians live in my area, nor would I let any church nearby survive. I was born into an Orthodox Hindu family. I joined an extremist Hindu group and my life's main goal was to catch Christians and beat them up. One day, I met a man and he asked me, Why are you doing this? Why are you attacking people who have not done anything to you? And he gave me a New Testament and said, Why don't you read it? I started reading the New Testament and then almost every day I wanted to read that book. I saw how, how Jesus taught his disciples to pray and I learned to pray like that. And then one day I read, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? And it hit me. After that, I secretly started meeting with the Christians and learning from them. My village discovered I'd become a Christian and they tried to throw me out. They separated from me and said, we will not give you water to drink and we will not associate with you. It's, uh, it's been more than 20 years. And I am still separated from some of my village, but now, out of 30 families living here, 22 families have come to know Jesus. And I pray that one day it will become an entirely Christian village. I also now oversee 150 small groups in my region. I know that following the Lord is not easy. I've suffered persecution and had terrible things done to me, but in all of that, I, I have hope. The Lord Jesus came into my life, taking me from persecution to praise. He's everything to me. He is life. I pray that I will be able to complete the vision that, that God has given me to reach out to as many people as I can. others until someone gave him a Bible and he read and realized and came to faith 
And yes, he was rejected, but he stuck by God. And now, as he said, many families had come to Christ. And he was praying that soon his whole village would come to know God. And he said this, and I don't know if you noticed it in the uh, video. Sometimes there is a cost. And the cost for him was initially being separated and isolated. But he went on to say, but there can still be hope. There is still hope because of what God can do. Let me tell you about M. M is a believer in the Middle East. Someone gave her a Bible, and she was then able to go on and receive Bible training in order to help her be more equipped to share her faith. She said this, I want to tell others about Jesus so that they too may know him. But when I told my mother about my new faith, she wouldn't talk to me for five months. But I thank the Lord that the relationship has now been restored. I constantly tell my family about Jesus, and because of that, my youngest brother has accepted Christ and got baptized. Praise God for that. Praise God for the work that Kay is involved in. Another person called Jay this time. Jay remains cut off from her family. She remains isolated from her community. But because of the prayers of others like us standing with her, even though we don't know her, we don't even know her name, she can stay strong in her faith despite being isolated. And she says this, my situation doesn't change because of reading the Bible or because of the prayers that are offered. But I've changed because of the Bible, because of the prayers that have been offered and I can stay strong. Sometimes it's not about the circumstances changing, the situations changing, but it's about how because of the prayers of others standing with her and with the others around our world, they're able to cope with the situation in which they find themselves. We don't know their name, but God knows them and the many others in our world who live in situations like that. And in a moment or two, we're going to be spending some time in prayer for them. But in order to do that, we're going to just sing and we'll stay seated as we uh, sing this song, Who Can Sound the Depths of Sorrow? And as we listen to it, as maybe we sing it, as we remain seated, let us give thanks to God for the way he touches our lives, but also continues to work in the lives of many others around our world who can sound the depths of sorrow. Let us pray. And Father, it's not just our nation upon which we ask for healing. It's not just our nation where we ask for the broken to be healed, for the hurt to be bound up, for the rejected and the isolated to be welcomed. But it's across our world, across these nations we've particularly been remembering this morning. And so, Father God, right now we do pray for people who have been rejected by their families because they have chosen to follow you. We pray that this day and in the days to come that they will experience the unconditional love of God. And even if their situation doesn't change, they know that you are with them. They know that you are 
surrounding them and upholding them. And we do pray that others in their families will come to know you. That their families will accept them and be reconciled to them because they themselves know you. And so we pray for those families where there is separation because of you. Lord, heal those risks, we pray. Transform those lives, we pray. Uphold them, we pray. We particularly remember church planters in Asia who are facing persecution because of their faith. We thank you for the many, many people they are reaching with the gospel. We thank you for the many new house churches that are being formed. But Lord, we pray for protection on those church planters and on those new believers. We pray for courageous Christians to carry on sharing the good news in hard places so that there will be a harvest of people who come to you and declare you as Lord of their life. Father God, soften the hearts of those who want to harm him in the way that you interceded and spoke to Paul all those years ago as you spoke to Kay in that video in the way that, Lord, you come in and through the power of your spirit you do something mighty. Father God, we thank you for those who are obedient to the call you have placed on them, but, Lord, we pray for protection. And Lord, we pray too for those who are isolated. We pray for those who are unable still to return to this church. But Lord, for the many others around our world who are on their own, who are struggling. We thank you for the wonders of social media and through the way that people are able to reach out to them in their individual settings. And Lord, we pray for more of that to happen, that they'll know who to trust, and that even if they do have to live out their faith in secret, they will know that you are with them and encouraging them because they have no one else who can support them at this time. Father God, we lift them before you this day. And Lord, we do pray we do pray for the work of BMS who are reaching out to people who are hostile to the gospel. We pray for the wisdom to know which, in which countries to work and in which countries not to work. We pray for wisdom for those who are workers in those countries and maybe we know them ourselves and our own home countries or because of the work of BMS and our own links, that, Lord, you will give those in those places the right words to say and that they will indeed see people coming to know Jesus. And, Lord, we pray for those who hear the gospel for the first time, that, Lord, as you welcome them into your kingdom, that, Lord, they will experience that love and they will see your transforming work at work in every part of their lives. Lord, we do thank you for our BMS workers, those that we name and those that we don't. Lord God, bless them this day. 
We pray for those with whom we partner. Lord, we have partnered with Church 1 to 3. Be with them in these last few weeks of their time together. Be with Winter Gardens there on Canvey Island. We, Lord, we talked about Mexborough this morning. Be with them as they share your ministry. But Lord, be with the many other churches in this place and further afield. We thank you for Andy and Rihanna and the work that's happening there in Moldova. Lord, we have so many natural links as well as our own family links and the way that you have laid the burden of praying for those who are persecuted on the lives of many. Lord, we bring them before you. Encourage us, Lord, to stand alongside them, we pray. And Lord, as we think about standing alongside, we pray for those who in our own lives we know need a touch from you. Lord, it's lovely to have Don with us this morning. Lord, bless him, we pray, and Daphne. Lord, thank you for them. Thank you that he is able to join us this day for the first time in so many weeks and months. Lord, bless him and his family and Daphne, we pray. We pray for the family of Margot at Parkside. Lord, you called her home yesterday. And Lord, we pray a blessing upon her family. Lord, many of us knew Margot because she came down week by week down here to this place when she was able before the pandemic. Lord, bless her family, we pray. And thank you for calling her home and holding her safe in your arms. And Lord, we pray for the others too who are heavy on our hearts, who have been bereaved in recent times. Lord, draw close to them. Uphold them particularly if, like uh, Samuel and Lara, the funeral isn't just yet. Lord, walk with them, we pray, as you've walked with Caroline and her family and the many others that we have remembered in recent times. Lord, for those who need a touch from us, from you, that we hold dear. Lord, we offer them to you now in the silence and ask that your hand will be upon them too. And Lord, we thank you that because you came to this earth, we can join with Christians across our world as we say that prayer that you taught your disciples to say and that we say now in whatever is our home mother tongue, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our last song reminds us of the need to hear the call of the kingdom. And if you're able, I invite you to stand. And if you're not, please stay seated as together we sing this song. Next Sunday morning, we have the wonderful privilege of having people baptized. But in order to do that, we need the baptistry top taken off. Because Hannah this afternoon wants to talk and show the baptistry to the young people. So if you are able to help to that, Ken is going to be available. And he will be looking for people to help take the baptistry top off so that the young people can see the baptistry as they and others are baptized next Sunday morning. And I invite you tonight as we have coffee and chat. 
sat here in the building to come and join us again because we're hearing from a couple of people in our own church about the way that God has been speaking to them. Join us online, join us here in the building tonight again at 6 o'clock. But for now, as we have been standing with our brothers and sisters around our world, we thank God that he gives us the power to go on when we ourselves may struggle. And so as we leave this place, may we go knowing that God is with us and that the conversations we may have this week, he will be there too, giving us the words to say. And so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of us, both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.